It is exactly. your divorce. It is your process, your children, your money. And you have the right every step of the way to know what is happening and exactly. to speak to us. And we will explain and we will listen and we will try to get you the result that you want within mm -hmm. the realm of reality. Because sometimes people are given very unrealistic promises which turn out to be wrong in the course of litigation. Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I am your host, Stacey Francis, and excited to be talking to you again today. I love doing these podcasts because it helps me learn, and I hope you're learning too. Well, today we're going to be learning about how to choose the right matrimonial attorney for your separation or divorce. And we have our guest today, Ala Roydberg, who has practiced for over 30 years in this area. So she has, as you can imagine, a lot of great experience to share and quite a bit of information too. She talks about the different types of process that you can choose. And she works specifically in mediation and collaborative and we also talk about litigation because there are certain cases where definitely litigation is the right place to be. And we also give you what I think is the most important part of this whole podcast. And it's in the show notes too. The top questions, the most important questions that you need to be asking when you are interviewing matrimonial attorneys. For most of us, we've not interviewed a matrimonial attorney before. So where do you start? How do you know that one person might be better suited for you than others? And make sure that you stay to the end because Ala and I talk about some very important sensitive subjects, and that is cross-cultural issues. And so many of us have cross-cultural issues in our marriage. I do. My husband is British. I'm American. Ala is Russian, and she works with many different communities and many different religions, helping come together, understanding those issues to make sure that you're going through the process as efficiently, as healthy, as easily as you possibly can. Thanks for tuning in. Please check out the show notes to hear a little bit more about Allah. We're so honored to have her here, bringing, as I mentioned, 30 years of experience in the matrimonial field, working with individuals from entrepreneurs to stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads, to very, very successful corporate executives. So a lot of great information that we're going to be going through today. Thank you for coming today, Ala. I am so excited. We're talking about something that we've never spoken about, and that is the ins and outs of interviewing your divorce team, knowing what questions to ask, understanding who the right professional is for you. And I'm very excited to talk to you because you've worked in this industry so many years and you have so much to really bring to this topic. So thank you for being here at Financially Ever After, Ala. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing very well. I'm very glad to be here. Thanks, Stacy. Nice. Well, we're excited. And I know our listeners are really interested in learning, you know, the ins and outs. And, you know, what our goal is to have that inside look at working with the right professional when you're considering a separation or a divorce. And, you know, I think for a lot of individuals, understandably, it's very nerve wracking to find that right professional. Most individuals don't have a long history of divorce. They don't know how the process works. They don't know how to find the right professional. So that is essentially my first question. Where do you go to find the right professional? Is it the white pages, the yellow pages, I guess, online? That feels a little little frightening for me. Are there better ways to find out who you should be looking to interview? So there are the better ways and then there's the reality, right? So the better ways are to reach out to your bar association, to people that you know who have gone through the process and whom you trust, to your trusted professionals in your life, like your CPA, your psychotherapist, anybody else that helps you or helps the family while you're married is really a good referral source. Sometimes even clergy is a good referral source. And these are all, you know, important things. I would not go to the white pages, but the reality is everyone is going to go to the internet mm-hmm. and everybody's mm-hmm. going to just Google divorce lawyer in Kings, in Brooklyn, divorce lawyer in Queens, divorce lawyer in Manhattan. If they're looking for a mediator, they may Google as well. And there will be things that they see. And sometimes they see people who are wonderful and legitimate. And sometimes they just see people who have paid for more ads and who are just more tech savvy, but may not be, you know, necessarily the right professionals for them. Yeah, you bring up a really good point because divorce lawyer in Manhattan could be the worst search that you ever do. You know, just thinking about it with children, how would you find a babysitter? You most likely would not go on a website or, or just randomly go out there to the internet, you would ask other moms, you might work with a service where they've been vetted with background checks. But sometimes we don't think about that when we're looking for matrimonial lawyers. So you talk about reaching out to the other professionals in your your life, clergy, trust and estate attorney, your financial advisor definitely should know the good divorce lawyers that you should be talking to your accountant. There are so many professionals. And then as you mentioned, you know, maybe someone who has gone through the divorce process who really has experienced that to share more about their experience and if their professional is the right fit. Do a good number of people find you that way? Previous clients that have then shared your name as well? I would say primarily it's referrals. Even though my name is probably in a lot of different directories on the internet, still I would say that over 90% of my clients come to me from someone else. So uh-huh. it's, it could be a colleague that knows me. It could be a professional in their life that has worked with me in some capacity, whether it's lawyer, as mediator, collaborative attorney, or it's prior clients. And sometimes actually it's prior client spouses who were on the other side of a matrimonial case. Okay. Now, if that is not the biggest compliment in the world, <laughs> I don't know what is to have you know, the spouse that you essentially are going, I don't want to say against, because that does sound so aggressive, but to reach out to you, obviously you've, you've done a great job and, and been very, very impressive. And for all of you listening, 
wanting resources, go to the show notes. We're going to include the website for the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, the American Bar Association, particularly the family law section. And those of you listening from Canada, the Law Society of Upper Canada, three great resources to start to vet and look for lawyers in your area. That's definitely one way. But as you mentioned, Allah, asking for individuals who have worked with a lawyer or you know professionals in your life is really the best place to be too. And tell me when you are looking for a lawyer, what are the questions to ask? And do you just call up or email and say, I'd like to meet with you? What is the protocol? How do people typically reach out to you? So in my dream world, I would <laughs> want every client to call and say, I'm interested in learning about what the process is like. You know, most clients call and they say, I'm interested in a divorce. I'm interested in a separation or some sort of a more concrete issue. I have been divorced. I want to move to another state. How do I handle it legally? Because in my mind, the most important thing is the initial process consultation. Mm-hmm. There are different ways that people can go through a separation of a divorce. And at one end of the spectrum is sitting across a kitchen table with each other and working out everything that needs to be addressed. And then at the other extreme is a full litigated, you know, three or five year court process that costs a ton of money and is incredibly hostile and stressful for people Mm -hmm. who are going through it. So because I specifically advertise and advocate for alternative dispute resolution, when somebody reaches out to me and says, I'm interested in a divorce, I usually tell them, well, let me first tell you what your options are. So then, and I talk to them about divorce mediation, about collaborative divorce as a process, about representation negotiation, and then about the litigated divorce to help them understand better what works for them and for their family. And at that point, I may not even know anything yet about their particular situation, but I want to give them the general information so that yep. they can then ask me the questions they need to ask me. Which you make up a very, a very good point because there are many different professionals that use the three most common process, which number one, mediation, collaborative, and then litigation. And so there could be someone coming to you that really is looking for a litigator. Can you tell us first, what are the three different processes? Um, and that might be helpful too, as people go in and start to narrow down who the right professional is. So in the ideal world, if people are amicable and if they can advocate for themselves, at least for a certain extent, mediation provides them with the most cost-effective and least stressful way to separate and divorce. In a mediation process, an attorney a mediator is a neutral And this neutral person is, I prefer the phrase, not neutral, but multi-partial. And the reason I use multi-partial is because I feel when I'm a mediator that I'm actually working in the best interest of each party Mm -hmm. and helping two of them and with to devise the best plan 
for them and for their children. A neutral mediator is not just somebody who sits back and listens to everybody and then makes some kind of comments or provides pearls of wisdom that they choose to take or they don't take, and then the process falls apart and they have to go to their lawyers and go to court. That's not what a good mediator does. A good mediator helps the two of them facilitate a conversation about each topic. And it could be about parenting, creating a parenting plan, discussing support, and even discussing very, very complex financial issues where, if necessary, financial experts are being brought into the process in the same way as they would be brought into a court process. Mental mm-hmm. health experts can be brought into the process the same way as they would be brought into a court process. But the difference is that it costs them a lot less money mm-hmm. and it increases the chances that later on they're going to be able to walk their children down the aisle together when they grow up. Yeah. And mediation, I think it really has become more I hate to use the word popular because it sounds like a, you know, like a boy band or or something like that. But particularly in the onset of COVID with the courts being closed, for many individuals, mediation was something that they learned about and saw that this was a process that could work because you, you don't necessarily need the court system to push it through. And so for all of you out there, you really should do look at mediation and interview a mediator. You should interview someone who might be a litigator to see if that's the right process. And all I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know, the litigation cases that we work on, you each have a lawyer instead of that one person who is, I love that, multi-partial. Because I do agree, saying that a mediator is neutral, it feels as if they're passive and you're active in this process, helping each of these people representing each of their interests, what's best and and ideally best for the family. But then litigation and understanding that for some cases, if one of the parties is not playing by the rules, possibly not disclosing information, we also see if there's been any type of abuse. That's another possible reason. There, There are many reasons, but then using litigation. And so It's making sure that you understand all the options out there. Can you tell me a little bit about Clarative? It's lesser known. We don't see it quite as often. And in certain parts of the country, it's much more popular, but then in others, not as much. Can you talk about Clarative as well and and how that differs from both mediation and litigation? Certainly. So it is popular in Canada. It's popular on the West Coast. It is more popular in New York these days. And we're trying to get the message across about the process and what it is. So not everyone is comfortable with mediation. Some people really need to have an advocate on their side and they need to have an attorney, but they may still not choose not to go to court for various reasons. They do not want the court process. They don't want it for privacy reasons. They don't want Mm -hmm. to drag their children through the process. So they want to be out of court, but they need help and they need handholding. So in a collaborative process, each client, each spouse has an attorney of their own. And their attorneys are advising them and helping them, but the attorneys are specially trained in mediation and in collaborative law, and they are committed to helping them create a settlement that is going to be out of court. 
And this commitment is really memorialized in a written participation agreement where people who want to use a collaborative process, they sign an agreement that says that both lawyers and both clients agree that the lawyers, if the negotiations fail, the lawyers are not going to continue to represent them in court. And the clients will have to discontinue representation by these attorneys and hire new lawyers strictly as litigators in the court. And what that does, it creates the threat of the lawsuit. Like it takes the threat of the lawsuit out of the room in the negotiation. And then they're more able to create better agreements to talk about needs and interests and focus on that and problem solve rather than, you know, somebody has a position and the other person doesn't like that position. So they're saying, okay, forget it. And we're going to court. We're going to make a motion. We're going to start the process. See you in court. So that threat is eliminated Uh in a collaborative divorce process. So one of the biggest questions then when you're interviewing individuals are, what process are you trained in? And we do see that some people can operate in, in several. They may be mediator. They may also be a collaborative lawyer. I do know of a few individuals who are litigators, but then they can also be a mediator. And so, you know, getting a real clear idea from them how they work. Now, the other thing just, you know, and this is a, this is a show about money, the dollars and cents. And talk to us about what a retainer is, the variation in size of a retainer, you know, if there are any words of wisdom. Because as we know, divorce is not free, and most lawyers require a sizable retainer to get started on your case. Right. So in a mediation, the way mediation happens generally, if someone is interested, I send them an informational email because I do not discuss any substantive issues with one party since Mm -hmm. I'm going to be this multi-partial mediator. And That email contains a retainer agreement that's attached that describes the process and invites them to forward it to the other side of the dispute. And if they're both interested, then the two of them contact me together. That retainer is fairly small. It's basically a $1,500 retainer that is there to pay for certain work that's done between mediation sessions. The way I set up mediation sessions is each mediation session is paid for hourly. So if there's a two-hour session that I'm meeting with the clients, they're paying for two hours of my time. If it's a one-hour, it's a one-hour of my time. The number of sessions that I really needed are based on how far apart they are in different issues. I have clients Mm -hmm. that are able to have one joint mediation session, and I'm ready to draft an agreement because they have already done all the work by themselves, and maybe there are one or two issues that they need to address. There are others that may go on for months or years because Mm -hmm. either they're not ready or there are a lot of financial issues. There may be investment accounts issues, stock accounts issues, options, what's vested, what's not vested, business evaluations that need to be done. And all of that needs to be done in the mediation process. So we could meet, we could identify the issues, and then they need to have a financial person coming in and helping them with various financial pieces. Then we gather again, and we keep moving forward. The purpose is to identify all the marital assets, 
to give them full information so that they can reach an informed agreement on how to distribute everything. Then I draft an agreement and there's a flat mm-hmm. fee for the agreement. So mediation is really the most cost-effective side of yeah. the spectrum. Yeah. In litigation, I think you were asking about. Yeah, so in litigation, you're often looking at larger retainers. Is that right? You're looking at larger retainers. And does the retainer size differ if it's a, you know, let's say a smaller law firm versus a larger law firm? What would you expect the large range that you might see? So you can expect anywhere between ten and $25,000 as an initial retainer, but that's really not the biggest issue. The biggest mm-hmm. issue is that this retainer is not going to be it. The biggest issue is that when you have a litigated process, it takes a very long time. Each hour is billable. And even if you have a firm where you have a team approach, so let's say you have associates that bill less, and yep. many yep. firms do that and to, optim- you know, to optimize cost effectiveness for their clients, you're still dealing with a law firm representing each side. And through the court process, Things don't really depend only on how effective the lawyers are. Look at what's happening with COVID, how difficult it is to move cases through the court system right now, how long it takes. If there's motion practice, it's more money. So the issue is not really so much the size of the initial retainer, but what is the the ultimate cost of the process? Yeah, I agree. And we've worked on hundreds of cases. And we've been blessed enough to be able to work in all three modalities. And divorce is expensive. It is. And I think that what's most important is finding the right professional, the right modality that's going to listen to you, understand your concerns, understand your needs, and has the expertise to help you. And I'd love to talk about that because even financial professionals we have different specialties and there are some advisors that are very, very much astute and know all the issues around business sales and and helping with mergers and acquisitions. Other financial professionals, for us, for example, we have expertise in divorce and portfolio management. But I've seen the same also in the law field where I've met some professionals who have much more of an expertise in international divorce law so that, you know, families that where they have assets in different countries or there are different nationalities as well, you know, maybe even jurisdiction outside of the United States, but need representation here as well. And then custody and in dealing with, let's say, special needs children. Are those things also that someone should be looking at when they're talking to their lawyer to make sure that 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 professional understands their unique issues? I think it's absolutely true. If someone has a special needs child that requires certain help and certain understanding, I would even say that not only is it helpful to have a lawyer that has had cases like this, it's also helpful to have a professional who has personal experience with family members with with these kinds of issues because it puts a whole different spin on it. We have kind of a niche with cross-cultural and international disputes and families, both because, you know, our main office is located in Queens County, which is like the the most diverse place. The melting pot. 
yeah, in New York, but also, you know, my background, I came here from Russia, from St. Petersburg when I was 14. Uh, so I have Russian background, but the majority of the people that are clients these days are really not Russian, but we do have a lot of international clients and high net worth international clients. And it's extremely important because right now in the present world, people are all over the place mm-hmm. and you can have a spouse in London and a spouse in Kiev and they are working out a process of how they're going to co-pair and how they're going to handle their finances, their support. The laws of all of these jurisdictions are different. It is very important to have somebody who can flag the issues, connect with the appropriate lawyers admitted in various jurisdictions so that any agreement or any that divorce agreement that is then generated is actually enforceable and workable in these jurisdictions. You know, there are a lot of very high net worth international couples and mm-hmm. uh, done some very high net worth prenuptial agreements for international couples where we had basically teams of lawyers versed in various jurisdictions that went through the agreement in order to ensure the same way as a financial professional would go through an agreement to ensure that, you know, the tax consequences are correct. The international lawyers, you know, an Italian lawyer would go through it, a Spanish lawyer, a Russian lawyer to to make sure that if the couple winds up living in their jurisdiction or somebody passes away in their jurisdiction, that this agreement will stand. Very important. Very important. And so, you know, definitely under, making sure that the, the person that you're working with really understands your specific needs. Now, there's another, another thing, and I think that this was kicked off by the Marriage Story. This was a movie that uh, came out back in 20, I think it was 2020. It may actually have been 2019. And, you know, there is a Laura Dern and she plays a celebrity divorce attorney, Laura Wasser. And there are some individuals that feel that they have to be hiring that celebrity attorney to be able to kind of like arm up or, you know, against their spouse. Can you talk about that? Is that necessary ever? It's almost like there's a a security in having someone who is so well-known, almost like because they're so well-known, they must be good and they're going to make sure that I have the best outcome possible. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? I'm thinking about it that it's not that they must be good. It's the threat. You know, it's, okay. it's really about the threat. So we're not looking at a case where somebody can mediate and go through a collaborative divorce. We're looking at a case where you have one spouse that refuses to do everything. And there's no way that they can agree to anything reasonable. And it's just that the person, the client is stuck and they have the money, and they're able to do it, and they need somebody who's basically going to serve as a threat for this person. So in that case, you know, okay, I hired a celebrity attorney. So the celebrity attorney is not necessarily somebody who is going to do a better job legally, who knows the law better, who's going to get a better result. But the celebrity attorney may threaten the other side and that the resisting spouse may say, well, I better settle because, you know, my wife hired X 
So mm -hmm. I'm going to get stuck here. It's going to cost me a ton of money and it's going to be very upsetting and they're very aggressive. So I, I can see the value for that. In terms mm -hmm. of quality, of course, there are many attorneys as there are many professionals that are not good. Yeah. But the fact that somebody is celebrity just means that they're celebrity. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that they're absolutely the best in their exactly. field. Yeah, I mean, I, it, and it's the same thing in my profession. Same thing in my profession. There are great financial advisors and there are not so great financial advisors. And the hourly fee that they charge for their consulting, just because it's higher doesn't mean that they're better, right? And so the things to think about, you know, so far, my experience in this area is when you're talking with a professional that is a matrimonial attorney and that that is truly what they focus on that they do not moonlight also as a personal injury attorney, in addition to a corporate attorney, in addition to a trust and estate attorney, that they really focus on matrimonial. And asking the same questions that you would ask a financial advisor. What is your experience? What is your background, your education? How many cases have you worked on? How many cases have gone to court? Would you go to court if needed? And if so, what would that look like? Am I going to be working with you or am I going to be working with a paralegal or an associate? What does that look like? And I know the biggest question, the two questions that we all want to know is how much money is this going to cost and how long it will it take? But unfortunately, as you know, Allah, that those are, are really hard questions really to ask. But are there any other questions that you should be asking a divorce professional that I didn't hit on that you, you think are, is really important? I think it's important for the client to know whether this is the right lawyer for them. Some people like somebody who takes a, kind of a local parentis role where they say, you know, don't worry, I'll take care of you. I'll get you everything you need. You'll be fine. And they're yeah. happy with that. And they're happy to put their trust in the hands of that person that that person will take care of them. There are other people that say, you know what? I want to know what's going on in my case. I want to be a partner in my case. They want to feel empowered. And for them, somebody who is like that is not going to be a good fit. In my practice, we take the latter approach. It is yeah. your divorce. It is your process, your children, your money. And you have the right every step of the way to know what is happening and yep. to speak to us and we will explain and we will listen and we will try to get you the result that you want within mm -hmm. the realm of reality because sometimes people are given very unrealistic promises which turn out to be wrong in the course of litigation. Yeah. And, you know, for the women who are listening today, um, I'm just going to send out a public service announcement, a PSA, that the latter system is is better, being part of the process, making sure that you're being heard. I was horrified earlier this year. I will not give too many more details, but I, our team was brought in to run a, a divorce financial analysis on the settlement to show the client if this is going to work for her long term. Does she keep the house? Does she sell the house? The tax impact of of splitting the assets, everything. And the very beginning of the meeting, we referred to her and, and said, we're very excited to talk with you today and hear about what's important to you and how you see your life in the future. 
And he jumped in, well, she's not going to be really talking that much today. I can do a lot of the talking for her. This was her lawyer speaking. And Allah, I was horrified. I was absolutely horrified. And culturally, this is a woman who comes from a culture where men play that role. They play that role. But we have, on purpose, had meetings directly with her to break through that shell and really hear what does she want from this for her children. And so financially ever after, part of financially ever after and having that that happily ever after and that financial security is making sure that you can speak your truth of what you want your life to be like and what you want your life to be like for your family. And so I hope, I know that not all women will go that route and will choose that lawyer to speak for them. And that's okay as long as they don't speak over them. I wanted to add to this, Stacy, because I think that what you're saying is incredibly important. But when you add to this the cross-cultural piece, you have a woman who may come from a very high net worth family and there's a lot of money at stake, but she may not be aware of what is at stake. And there are also centuries of tradition surrounding money. Yes. That she wants to uphold, that she honors, she wants to transfer this tradition to their children. But a lot of these things are in conflict with what the law is and what is right. So I've seen this many times in high net worth families with women that are coming from Bukharian background, from certain religious backgrounds, from various places. I've had a mediation where I had four sessions and uh, it was an Indian family and the wife literally could not commit to any answer if I would ask her what she, what she wants. It's if I would ask her whether she wants tea or coffee, she would need to walk out and make a phone call. And it took me a while to realize that she was constantly calling her older brother because in her culture and in her family, he was guiding her on every little thing. And until I was able to understand that and bring him into the process, we weren't really getting it. Yeah. So it's a tough thing to do, but it's really important to listen and to empower the woman or the man, you know, depending on what the cultural, the same cultural issues apply to women and the same cultural issues apply to men when very often when it comes to parenting or custody. Oh, no, I am not entitled to it. It's the mother that always has to have custody. It doesn't matter what the cultural issue is. I think that learning about that culture and understanding it well, and then only then bringing them into the reality of what needs to happen is probably the only way to get it done. And if there's a lawyer sitting next to them that shuts them up in that process, that's not going to help. Yeah. And you bring up such a good point that a lawyer that has really deep experience working with cross-cultural issues is really, is very important. Had you not realized what was going on in that room with the the woman reaching out to her brother, you could have remained stagnated for a very long time. And not that there's anything wrong with the culture, but embracing that culture and helping them move through it within the confines. And that's a, that's a special skill, Allah, as you know, and not everybody I think has the sensitivity or the cultural awareness. And so that definitely, I agree, needs to be part of those, those questions. So I know we are coming up to time and this has just flown by. Do you have any parting wisdom 
for the women that are listening today who are starting to embark on this journey of, of putting together their team of professionals? It's very difficult time, but it's important to take some deep breaths and to choose somebody who is very good at what they do, but who also has empathy and who's also maybe a parent, a spouse, maybe has gone through the process, but has the ability to hear what you're saying and to Mm -hmm. give you options, not just to say, well, I know how to solve your issue and this is how you're solving it. We're going to be done. Nine times out of 10, that's not the right person. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you've given so many wonderful insights. And I want to tell everyone who's listening today, we are going to put a list of questions that would be helpful when you are interviewing and looking for your perfect professional team. So we'll have that in the show notes. But before we go, Ala, do you mind sharing how our listeners can reach out to you and and get a hold of you? Sure. My website is goodlawfirm.com. It's kind of easy to remember. Love that. Goodlawfirm.com. Right. And they can email me at aroydberg at goodlawfirm.com. They can also reach out to us on LinkedIn, on Facebook. I think we have some sort of a presence on Instagram. We're still working through it. And they can also call our office in Manhattan. Wonderful. And for all of you listening, don't worry, we will put all of that information, Ala Roydberg's email, website, that right there in the show notes. So it's easy for you to reach out. As I mentioned, some more resources to help you find that perfect professional team to take you through the divorce process. So thank you so much for being here today, Ala. You have really demystified the whole process and you know, I, I think also made it less intimidating, which I really appreciate as well, so that individuals feel more empowered and also have more direction on who they should be talking to, how they can find that person and, and what questions to ask. So thank you so much for being here today. It has been my pleasure. I really enjoyed speaking with Ala Roydberg and I took a lot of information away. That's one of the reasons why I just, I love these podcasts because it helps me learn. And to be honest, it helps me grow as a professional too. My hope is that you are much more confident going into that first consultation so that you have a better idea about what process is right for you, whether it's mediation, it's litigation, and that you have the right tools in your tool belt to make sure that you're asking the questions that will will guide you, that will give you the information you need to know, is this my professional? It's never good, never fun to change matrimonial attorneys. And it's also extremely expensive. So please use these tools, use these tips all in the resources section so that you can be as well prepared and have the best outcomes in your divorce or separation. And part of those best outcomes, well, let's be honest, it's financial. And far too many women end up spending their golden years in a not so golden way because, well, they've run out of money and no one wants a financial future like that. So if you have questions about your situation, 
or just want to run it by me, please reach out. We have fantastic 30-minute consultations that are no charge. And we have the top certified divorce financial experts here at Francis Financial. In fact, every single one of our professionals is a certified divorce financial analyst. And I don't know if that's true of any other firm in the country. I can't make that claim, but I would be very surprised if another firm as large as us had that to say as well. We understand the issues. We understand the things to watch out for, and we want to help you. So please email Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. You can visit our website. We've got great information for you, www.francisfinancial.com. Please reach out. My mission is to empower women to be financially secure. We all deserve that, and so do your families. So let us help you and just even give just a second opinion. That's what we want to do. As many people as we can help, that's why I came to this field. I'm sending a big hug. I'll see you in two weeks, in two weeks with more great topics. I'm learning, you're learning. We're having a great time. And thank you again for joining.